when you read this article, would it like move up? Like, would it scroll up whenever you'd like go uh, to the mouse? Yeah, and it um, there was so many images, and I think it's kind of high def. It like crashed my computer at one point. <laughs> <laughs> it was just too much. It's cool though. <laughs> So, uh, welcome back to the AEC Disruptors Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Riddell. Uh, hope everyone is surviving right now. Um, I have my colleague, uh, Jackson Sinsat, again. And uh, we are going to talk about some article, or one article in particular, that he came across. A pretty cool one. And so, Jackson, I appreciate you bo- let me bother you again to do one of these. Absolutely. Have you enjoyed your quarantine time? You know, uh, my lifestyle hasn't really changed that much, you know. You never um, left your house before? Yeah, I was already working from home, and um, my fiance she works for um, Essential Business. She works for a criminal defense attorney, so she's still going to work every day. Mm. But um, we just recently, in Austin, um, they just started our shelter-in-place order. So, um, we can't really, for everyone. Yes. We can't really be in our cars unless we're going to the grocery store or the doctor or something essential. I wonder how they like determine where you're going. Yeah. I don't know. I I heard in San Francisco, um, that they had to fill out some form that basically said, you know, I'm going to the grocery store at this time or something like that, but they don't have or at least I'm not aware of anything like that in Austin now. You know, I could get pulled over on the way to the grocery store and they could say, show me your papers or something Luckily like for that. me, my grocery store is right up the street. So, I mean, I could walk. I just can't get a lot of groceries to come back. But yeah, luckily we're still able to go outside, but only for exercise. So <laughs> while, you get one while, hour a day. <laughs> yeah. But w- so while you're outside, you at least need to be, you know, working up a sweat or else you'll, you know, look like you're not complying with the law scary stuff man um all right so this one is uh this article that we're about to talk about is is a good one in fact it might be more relevant here very soon but once you kick us off you're the one that found it it's kind of in your backyard a little bit um tell a little bit about it and we just discuss yeah so um i came across this business insider article and it's about the community first village located here in austin And the first time that I actually had heard about it was when I was in school for construction science at Texas A&M. And we would go on a field trip once a semester. And our choices, you know, ranged from, you know, let's go to this giant DPR construction site and get a big tour or um, go to a residential site. Um, But I um, was pretty interested in tiny homes at the time. And I also knew that I wanted to live in Austin eventually. So I went ahead and chose um, the Community First Village to go visit. And this was back in the spring of 2016. And it was one of the most beautiful, eye-opening experiences I've ever had. Because, um, you know, there really is a big homelessness crisis in Austin. Um, One of the um, stats from the article says that between 2013 and 2018, the homeless population grew 28.2%, which is similar to what they have in San Francisco. 
Um, and that's more than double the rate of the overall population growth here. And Austin's one of the fastest growing cities in the nation. I think that's crazy that they're more homeless. It grew faster for homeless than just people in Austin. Right. And I see it every day um, here. Um, so I grew up in Houston where, you know, there's a pretty good homeless population, but Austin's a little more compact and, um, you know, back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, um, back in the old Austin days, it was really, you know, just this, the capital of Texas was here and it was just a huge mecca for, you know, music and art and things like that. Um, but Is that now, where the weirdness came from? Isn't that their slogan? Keep it weird or something? Keep Austin weird. Keep Austin weird. <laughs> yes. The little uh, tie-dye shirts. Yep. <clears throat> yes. So I actually, I still don't own one of those. I need to get really? myself one. But um, n- now that more businesses are coming to Austin and it's becoming more of a popular place for people to move to, and specifically the businesses that are moving here mostly are tech companies, um, Apple's investing heavily in here. So is Amazon. Samsung has one of their biggest semiconductor facilities here. Um, with that comes a lot of gentrification and people getting pushed out of their homes. So what's happening here in Austin is very similar to what's happening in San Francisco. And the homelessness crisis, it's, you know, it's not really getting better. But communities like Community First in mm-hmm. East Austin are really it's it's helping the problem and it's also kind of you know giving a model for the rest of the country as to you know a good way to deal with the homelessness crisis um people go homeless for a variety of different reasons um but for the most part i feel like it starts from day one when they're children um they a lot of the times these people, and I talked to a few of them whenever I was on the field trip, um, they really lacked basic human connection. Mm -hmm. And that came from their families and their upbringing. Um, I met one homeless person there, um, and I'm not gonna say his name because I think he's still there, but he basically said that, you know, whenever he was like a three-year-old child, his dad had like pointed a gun at him and like, you know, just abuse them all the time. And it made it to where, you know, it, when something happens like that to you, whenever you're in such a developmental stage, it results in you having real issues with building human relationships, mm-hmm. which then can lead to other things that eventually lead you to a life of being chronically homeless. Um, That's what was cool about this is it seems like they took what is, um, you know, the tiny home concept built a village, but really it was like focusing on a community and building up that uh, interpersonal relationships between the, the different people. The AEC Disruptors podcast is brought to you by Evolve MEP. MEP construction software for Revit. Evolve's MEP software for Revit makes project collaboration fast, simple, and more productive, which in turn significantly reduces project risk and costs. Born from the reality of a lack of available skilled labor in the industry, Evolve MEP has transformed the MEP detailer workflow. It's time for MEP to harness the Revit platform to offer seamless collaboration like no other software before it. Visit EvolveMEP.com and let them know that we sent you.
Right. Um, so, you know, these people, you have to be chronically homeless to live there and you actually have to pay rent to live there, but you can get a job in the community. It's like a self-sustaining community. Um, they have gardens there and everybody has their own job, but one of the stats from the article is they have an 87% retention rate. So most of the people who are going there, they're staying there and they're actually ending up thriving. And I think part of that is because they're actually, you know, forming real human connect connections and some of them for the first time um, with other, you know, chronically homeless people who can share similar experiences and, you know, it, it just forms a sense of community for them that, you know, they feel like maybe they had never had. And I feel like it's a place that, you know, once they're there, you know, it's probably, you know, I, I don't think they would ever really want to leave. And they're expanding um, the community as well. They said each home, so these tiny homes, they were only what, like 200 square feet? I mean, they were really small um, mm -hmm. homes. From the pictures, they're, they're really nice looking. They're cool looking. They average between twenty-five dollars and $40,000 to build. <clears throat> and I think, it's, uh, I think it's cool how they even handled a lot of the community spaces. So it sort of like forces people together in terms of, I mean, they had communal showers and um, restrooms. So none of these houses really had plumbing. But the fact that I think they even had like a media room and a theater and a craft center, um, all these places that these individuals, and I think even a salon was, is part of it, uh, that all these individuals can really get back to feeling like, you know, normal human beings and not being stuck. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen those videos on Facebook where you'll have these, uh, these barbers will go around and they'll um, cut homeless people's hair and give them like a makeover kind of on the street. And it's amazing how different they look. And then just the confidence that comes with a cleaner look, uh, it, it really comes through. Right. So whenever I went there in 2016, um, it was a lot smaller than it is now, but they actually didn't have any air conditioning in any of the units. Ooh. And I noticed in one of the pictures, they actually have a little uh, split system and at least one of them, I'm sure they have it in all of them now, which is nice. But yeah, like you said, it, everything is centered around community there. Um, so they have that community movie, movie theater, which is just the coolest looking thing, if you could see the picture. Um, and that screen was actually donated by Alamo Drafthouse, which they're a really big uh, dinner movie business here in Austin. Mm. When we, uh, when we post this, we'll post the article and then people can go out and look at the, all the images. Yes. And there's, there's a ton of them. <laughs> yeah. I was just saying like it crashed my, uh, my Chrome when I looked at it, but they're, it's pretty amazing to look at. So anyway, you said it was down, um, donated. The screen was. Yeah. And another thing that I thought was really cool about it is, you know, it's privately funded and, you know, the owner of Paul Mitchell mm -hmm. plays a big part in it, which I did not know. And I also did not know that he lived in Austin. Um, but there's no government funding for it. It's privately funded. Um, the, which probably they, helps that they don't have the certain regulations that they may if it was government funded. Yeah, they don't have to go through as much, um, you know, red tape and have to deal with... Um, 
you know, HUD or anything like that. Um, but, you know, some some of the features of the community, we already touched on the movie theater, but there's also, you know, community kitchens, community laundry, um, and then that two acre, two acre organic garden that they have, which they're able to sell at farmer's markets in the community. It's, a, you know, it's interesting because I've, I've heard of, or I've even thought of like, oh, using the tiny homes to help with the homeless problem, but it was more just like housing. It wasn't community. And even, you know, we mentioned the art studio, but the, I think I read that the individuals like the art they can create, they can sell for hundred percent profit. So, you know, they're given supplies, they're given access to, uh, to create. And then, you know, there's a lot of people I'm sure that are kind of, you know, pulling themselves up simply because they were given this opportunity to not just have housing, but have a, a real sense of community. Uh, the community is not cheap. I mean, I think I saw, you mentioned it was privately funded. It was like $18 million, I think. And 6 million, I think was um, yearly cost. And it was a really large yearly cost to all this. Um, but now, and I think I saw some, but weren't some of these going to be 3D printed? Yes. You know? So that's going to be part of their next stage. And it's going to be six of their homes will be constructed using 3D printed, uh, 3D printing technology. And um, Evan Loomis is the one who owns this 3D printing, printing company. And these homes can be completed in 27 hours. That image they have of the uh, welcome center doesn't even look like a 3D printed house. Like I'm not even sure. Is it a 3D printed house? It says it is. Um, it's fascinating. I mean, with all the cantilevers, the wood underside, it's really cool to see what they can do. I mean, I, I saw there was a community somewhere, I think it may have been in Mexico or somewhere that they were using 3d printing to build the homes, but they were connoted like this, um, community, the residents or certain residents were being paid to help construct the homes for other residents. And so it was like this sort of, um, cycle of being able to get involved you got a job but your job was also helping to build more infrastructure for the rest of the community and it was a neat touch in a way they have some of that here and how they handle a lot of the the crafts and the um the things that are kind of done internally right and um so let me sorry john paul de horia uh the paul mitchell um, founder he's part of his donation to adding um, the whole new section of the community is also going to fund an entrepreneurial building where residents can sell pretty much anything but it's like you said it's mostly going to be arts and crafts and things like that um, but another thing that I think is really cool about this community is they reserve out um, I think six or seven homes towards the front of the community for Airbnb mm -hmm. for members of the general public to go and stay there for a few days and just kind of see what the community is all about and how the community sustains itself and, you know, the relationships that um, these chronically homeless people are able to build together. Um, I think it it's something I would encourage people to do because the time I spent there, I only spent about three or four hours there. 
but it made a big impact on me because whenever I see these people in Austin, I used to work downtown and, um, you know, they're, they're in a lot of different places and you can just tell that, you know, obviously, you know, they are really struggling and the looks on their faces are heartbreaking. But Mm -hmm. when you see these people in this community and, you know, you talk to them, they just have the biggest smile. They have a twinkle in their eye because they have an entire community behind them of people who they know are going to be there to support them. And they're not used to having something like that. The AEC Disruptors podcast is brought to you by Applied Software's Live Lab Learning, a virtual classroom experience where students can listen, interact, and learn from veteran real-world application specialists in real time from anywhere in the world. Live Lab is the affordable, convenient way for your staff to take Autodesk certified training courses and even earn some AIA continuing education credits from the comfort of your own office. I would love to see more of this stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, I know Atlanta has a pretty bad homeless or problem. When I was down at Georgia Tech, you get, you know, obviously you get comfortable kind of interacting or being around. And I mean, some of the more entertaining conversations that I would have would be with some homeless folks because I mean, they're, you know, they are people just like us. I do think being able to stay there, like you said, is super important because you always hear, and I try, people will say that I can put myself in their shoes, but no one really can put anyone, put themselves in anyone else's shoes unless they actually were a part of it. Like I could try to imagine what it would be like to be homeless, but I've never had that experience. So I can't really justify it until I get to interact with them and talk to them and learn from them. And um, I, you know, I think it's a great, great thing. The, uh, I don't know where it was. I read something somewhere that was talking about, there was a group that was just given, I don't know how much money, but a certain amount of money. I mean, maybe less than $500 to these homeless people. And they're realizing that it didn't take a whole lot to help get them like reset and restarted with small amounts. You know, um, there's crazy statistics about how many people in America live paycheck to paycheck. And even when I say that, I'm like, Oh, you know, I'd see a stat like that. And I'm like, Oh, that's not, I don't believe it to be that high. And then I start to think I couldn't go two or three paychecks right now without having it. Um, and you know, so with the current environment, uh, I think these type of communities are just that much more important because there's no telling there may be a lot more people that end up homeless at the end of the day. And uh, no matter what, it's tragic, however they get there. So I, this was an exciting thing. Cool. I'm glad you were able to find this one. Do you see it or have you heard of it being replicated anywhere or even attempted? Uh, I have not, but I think that in my personal opinion, um, this community seems to be thriving and I think it could be a model for other cities in the U S um, to address their homeless problems. I wonder if there are ways to like make it a little more, I would say cheaper, more sustainable. I mean, if there's not a whole lot of people that would publicly or privately fund $18 million for something like this, cause I'm sure they are not getting money back. Um, and I think that's where we see opportunities with 3d printing ways of doing them cheaper, making the modular construction. Uh, I think there's a huge play somewhere using modular construction to really start to build more of these communities, get them more integrated back into society 
and uh, help solve the problem. Because, I mean, yeah, there's other issues when it comes to homelessness. Uh, and, in fact, we uh, – Perkins and Will did something out in uh, San Francisco, I think it was. I saw this fairly recently. They made these little, like, pods. And the pods were for homeless shelters so that it, like, was in something that could easily be installed. And I think it had, like, a maybe a – maybe a bathroom, a toilet, but it had a bed and an enclosure and a little closet. And it was able, it looked kind of like a cubicle, but they were able to kind of um, partition off these homeless shelters. And um, it was actually a pretty neat little thing that was created. And you'd read the art or comments of some of the articles and people would immediately jump to things like, well, we need to be solving the, the drug problem or the mental health problem or all those things. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. Same thing for that. This community, I don't disagree with that. However, 